Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Unbelievable games last weekend, Gino. Yeah, Mike, I got to give it up to you. Um, it was November the 9th. The minute the show starts, right off the bat, we're doing an NFL midseason report, and you say with complete certainty, I will tell you why the Jacksonville Jaguars will be in the AFC Championship. Um, I thought long and hard about if I was actually even going to give you praise for it. I don't want your head to get too big and a big smile. I can see the grin on your face right now, and I'm not even with you. <laughs> so I didn't want to do that and like just completely fluff you up a little bit right off the bat. But I had to. That was a good call, Mike. Um, they were, I think, an eight-point underdog, and they won straight up. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road again this year, and uh, it was the defense that we talked about. You know, the the score was a high-scoring game. It ended up 45-42, and it, it went back and forth. Um, and, you know, there were some turnovers and some defensive scores here and there, but Jacksonville was impressive nonetheless, and you called that. You've been all over the Jags all year long. Well done, my friend. Well, thank you, and, you know, Football is such an unpredictable game, especially professional tackle football. It's really tough to be able to project out. But when I looked in that crystal ball, I really thought that defensively they were just so far um, in front of uh, all the other teams, especially because they were coming out of an easier division. But in my wildest imagination, would I ever thought that Pittsburgh puts up 42 points and yet Jacksonville wins the game? Well, and, and you just mentioned something that's interesting, too, and we see it with all of these playoff teams that are still left. You, you have to be good, but there's a there's some luck that's involved also. You know, with all of these teams, whether it be their schedules along the way, um, injuries for other teams, uh, you know, like you look at Jacksonville and you wonder with a healthy Watson, what does that division look like this year? And, and maybe we don't see Jacksonville getting a home game and getting the opportunity to to, you know, get a little bit of momentum and win a couple games in the playoffs. Things, they got to break right for you all the time. You know, when when you win, you got to be good, but you got to be a little lucky too. You absolutely do. And, you know, the matchups and how they line up, that's important. And, uh, you know, teams that are on a roll seem to continue, you know, playing with uh, with that kind of mojo and that type of thing. And, and I think we're seeing that from the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm excited to kind of, be able to recap these games and, and project out for the NFC and AFC championship games, your thoughts and, and our guest thought, thoughts as well. Three today, uh, right? Three guests. We got three guests today. Our first guest is going to be Josh Booty, former NFL quarterback, former first round major leaguer, World Series champion, played former for guest L- of the Mike Abadir show. Yes, friend of the show. And then we're also going to have a couple guys from the Saints, the uh, kicker, uh, Will Lutz, and the long snapper, Zach Wood. And they're going to talk about the experience on the sidelines and what they saw after riding that roller coaster emotion. They took the lead in particular, those guys, the kicker and the long snapper, they just go ahead. And when you take the lead with 25 seconds left to go, the game, I mean, the game is over. You know, I mean, we we see this happen all the time. Never do you see an ending like we saw. So I, I think it's really 
it's going to be really interesting to get the opposite perspective because, you know, all week long, everybody's talked about how great this is for Minnesota, Minnesota getting that monkey off their back, the Minnesota miracle, all the, you know, watch the, the play over and over, the walk-off touchdown. But now we're going to get to talk to the guys that were on the other side and see, you know, what that was like for them. Absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing. You and I have been big-time sports fans for a long time. And usually when a team kind of seizes momentum, they kind of seal the deal. It's really rare that you see a team mount a monumental comeback and then lose in a painstaking way as as the, the Saints experienced. And, you know, I kind of want to get their thoughts on, on Marcus Williams and how he's doing and how he's feeling. I heard a lot of people from, uh, you know, New Orleans and the community have kind of stepped up and uh, showed him a lot of support. I really hope that's the case because – you know how it is, man. And you and I talked about this the other day. You can never pin any professional sports game on one play or one free throw or whatever. You know, usually everybody kind of thinks and talks about the most recent or the final play. Yeah, what happens at the sense. end yeah. versus, you know, there are a million plays throughout the game that change it. I mean, nobody's going to talk about the fact that New Orleans drives to start the game were punt, 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 interception, interception, miss field goal. You know, that like there there were plenty of opportunities early on. For, so you're going to remember what happened at the very end of the game, not, you know, a fourth and one that New Orleans missed earlier or maybe a, a catch that minutes, a great catch from Thielen earlier to keep the drive going. Just so many little things happened. Four lead changes in the final three minutes of that game. I mean, it was 17 nothing at half. No, and, that's a great point. That's a great you know, point. When you shoot yourself in the foot for the first quarter and a half before you could even start moving the ball, yeah, chances are you're going to lose that game. You know, so why don't we get our uh, first guest on board and get his uh, his thoughts on on these matchups and uh, maybe some predictions for the conference championships as well? Yeah. Oh, let's let's get him in. Let's get in booty. Absolutely, Josh. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, man. Thank you for having me back on the show. I always enjoy joining y'all. So let's talk a little football. Absolutely. Before we get into the the matchups, I want to get your thoughts as a former NFL quarterback, big time college quarterback over LSU. You've played with a lot of coaches and offensive coordinators. What What's your take on kind of what's happening in Pittsburgh? News came out today that their offensive coordinator, Haley, uh-huh. uh, you know, was fired. And, you know, sure. the rumors kind of say or suggest that there, there's a rift between him and the star quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I know you probably have a little bit of insight, but from from your experience, have, have you ever had a, a sour relationship like that? And, and what's your take on what's going on in Pittsburgh? I have. You know, everything good ends up coming to an end. You know, several weeks ago, we heard riffs of, you know, Belichick and Kraft and Brady and what they were doing internally with Brady's trainer. And it seems like, you know, it, it's so hard to continue uh, success year after year after year after year, and that's why dynasties are so hard to come by. And the Patriots are definitely in the at the kind of the end of that dynasty. But when you talk about the Steelers and Haley and what he's done for that organization, I mean, you got to look back at what they've done the last twelve, fifteen years with Roethlisberger, with that offense from the days of Jerome Bettis all the way to now Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and what they bring to the offense. They've morphed into this high-powered offense when they used to run the ball hard. They were ground and pound. They, you know, they were a physical, uh, you know, offense as well as defense. They've morphed into what they've become, and Todd Haley's been able to do that and do it well. I think they underperformed this year, and there were some 
you know, the, it, Roxburger had some bad outings, uh, to be honest with you. I'm not sure internally if that had anything to do with it, but I don't think they were maximizing their potential. And football, you know, it, 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 it goes, you know, it goes into trends and different things that some guys can't keep up with. Some guys are, they're, they're real, uh, you know, they're real, they, they want to stay with what brought them. You know what I'm saying? And they, they stick to their guns. And Haley's a guy that probably doesn't like to spread it out and do as much as the Steelers are capable of doing now. I think with the young receiver, Juju Smith-Kluster, you've got Brian on the outside. I don't know if he'll be there again next year because he was, there was some riffraff early with him this year because he didn't see the yep. playing time. I just think there was a whole lot going on in Pittsburgh, and now the offense needs to be a wide-open spread offense, kind of like the, uh, the Rams were back in the day when they had Isaac Bruce and they had Marshall Falk and all the weapons. Greatest show on turf. Yep. Yeah, I think Le'Veon Bell gives them that. I think that Todd Haley is just, you know, he might be past his time. I think football is evolving. Interesting. And um, just quickly, your thoughts on Tomlin and the job that he's doing. I know there's a little bit of noise as well about whether or not um, the Steelers should go sure. in a different direction. I know you said that they underperformed. I think a lot of people feel like, like the the team did, especially with the um, weapons that they've got. Yeah, you know, I, I do like Tomlin. I think he's a wonderful football coach. He's a, you know, you can tell he's a football guy through and through. He's kind of like a, you know, he's been a staple in Pittsburgh. They've done some awesome things. I think that he definitely deserves, uh, you know, some more time at the at the helm as head coach. He's he's just a quality football guy. You can tell every player respects him. They all look up to him. He he always, you know, he it's not like he makes bad decisions uh, on the sideline during the game. I think he's a guy that definitely commands respect. He has the room. He has the the the, the players' attention, and he's a guy that can give you a chance to win every Sunday. So you know, there's a lot of teams out there that are looking for guys like that that can help their team win every Sunday. He's one that does that. So if Pittsburgh were to get rid of him. You know, I think that would be a bad move because they they still were thirteen and three in the regular season. They had a couple of bad outings early. Uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on early in in the NFL with the Trump stuff that that sidetracked maybe the Steelers a little bit. But they they actually had a great team. The the injury to Shazier was huge on defense. They they looked like they couldn't stop anything. They looked like a sieve on defense last week. And I think you know everybody got down on their performance and. But their defense wasn't the same at the end of the year as it was in the beginning. But he's got to build that defense back up. No, that's uh, that's that's good analysis right there. And Gino and I were talking the other day about whether or not you know this team did underperform or not. Gino kind of thought that the team is maybe a little bit overrated. But when you're talking about Tomlin and you're looking looking at his last eleven seasons, he's got a higher winning percentage than the legendary Chuck Knoll, than Bill Cowher even. And, uh, and he had to contend with Manning and Brady for all those years, too. So I think a job well done. But let's shift gears now to the teams that did advance. Um, I know Gino's got a, a, a litany of questions for you, but let me start it off by asking, did we, do we have the best two teams in the NFC and the NFC Championship game? Well, you know, I thought going into, the, into last week, I thought Atlanta was getting hot at the right time. I thought... What they were doing on offense seemed to be working. Um, they, they really played well in the second half of the season. You know, Philly's just got that. They had home field advantage. They earned that. And then they play such great defense. They rush four and can get to the passer. Uh, Matt Ryan did not have as 
uh, as impressive a year as he did a year ago when he was MVP of the league. The Eagles took care of business. I think because of that defense and because of their depth, I mean, you got to look at Nick Foles as a very capable backup. He played, he's played limited action, and he's, he's only thrown 100, uh, 100 passes this year, but he's a guy that's been in playoff games before. He's, he's with the team he feels very comfortable with. He was drafted by the Eagles. He's his chance to prove that he can play at a high level in this league. So, you know, it's not like they've got a guy that they that's never been thrown into the fire or never played in the NFL. This guy's put up unbelievable numbers, even in Chip Kelly's offense or in Chip Kelly's offense. Uh, and then now he's just kind of trying to pick up where he left off. Doug Peterson is a great quarterback coach. I'm um, good friends with Doug. I'm also good friends with their QB coach, uh, John D. Filippo, who awesome, who also is. Is um is up for some head coaching positions or, or or talked about being hired right now in the league and and they've just done a wonderful job at, at, at getting Wentz ready really for the first you know thirteen games of the season and then now Foles uh, trying to pick up where he left off. I don't know if it's going to be enough. They got the home field advantage again, but that Minnesota Vikings defense is so tough. So I do think Minnesota because of what they've been able to do uh, all year. And, and then on defense, and then, you know, being able to beat Drew Brees and the Saints, even though the last play was, was such a, a, a terrible decision on that defensive back's part to try to come up and, and, and put his head down on that tackle, I do think that the Vikings have earned their way into this thing. They really have played well. Case Keenum is one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league, and he doesn't turn the ball over. So I think we've got two very, very good football teams. I would like to see the Eagles at full strength with Wentz, but I think Foles gives them a chance. Josh, uh, let's talk a little bit about the team that Philly just beat. And to me, they are kind of the NFC version of the Steelers, and that's the Falcons. I think they were a little disappointing really all year long, and I think a lot of people kind of jumped right on the Falcons after last week when we saw them handle the Rams well. But they got a couple, you know, they got 10 points worth a couple turnovers. Same thing started to happen. Let's go through that final drive because I think a lot of people are, are really critical of Sarkeesian and some of the play calling. It's first and goal from the nine with a minute and 19 left. First down, they throw the fade to Julio. It's incomplete. Second down, we get the, the weird shovel pass to the third string running back. And the third down, we get a good we get a good slant to Julio. They pick up seven, and then it's fourth and two. And then that fourth down play is the one that a lot of people are critical about. When you roll out, you kind of – you automatically cut half, half the field off when you're rolling out to the right. Um, Julio slips. Mm-hmm. He still comes back and almost makes a play on it. Kind of, how do you think Sark did in this game and just overall this year calling the plays for Atlanta? Well, I, you know, we, we've all seen Sark so much on being on the West Coast and, of course, uh, him being at SC and, and at Washington. It almost it almost felt like I, we knew what we, that he was going to do on that third down. He was going to roll right. He was going to cut the field in half. He was going to try to use his best player, Julio Jones, and Ryan would have to make a, a good throw. It's unfortunate that Julio did slip on that play. He did get his hands on the ball, actually, when he got up. But Ryan threw a perfect pass, even though they were – you know, the, the route was, was not like it should have been because of the slip. I think, you know, it, it, everybody's really hard on Sarkeesian because they were so dynamic on offense last year. And this year it seemed like, you know, they weren't near as fluid on offense. Freeman and what they do, and Julio Jones, he would go weeks without some big numbers. And last year it seemed like every game he was putting up monster numbers. So I think just that, 
just that feeling that, that the fans have got there in Atlanta and Falcons fans got or people that really follow football and follow Atlanta felt like this wasn't the offense of a year ago. And I think that's why there's a lot of heat on Sarkeesian. I think the play calling was a little suspect at the end. I mean, you talk about going to uh, going to uh, L.A. and beating the Rams like they did, putting up a huge number, and then going to Philly and putting up 10 points. I, mean, I just think there was lack of consistency throughout the year for that offense. and what they were capable of doing and what they ended up really doing. And it is hard, though, to go on the road to L.A. in a playoff environment, win that game, and then go back-to-back weeks. you got to go on the road to Philly and face another great defense. So you got to think, hey, on the road twice against two great defenses, probably banged up a little bit from playing the, you know, the Rams and what they can do uh, to you. So, I mean, it's just over time it wears down on you, and they just didn't, didn't have a very good offensive night. And actually, the the four out of their last five games were on the road, I believe. So I think they also kind of ran out of steam a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know. I do feel like, you know, that's very tough in the NFL to go on the road. And, and there's been wild card teams make it uh, and win Super Bowls. But, um, you know, you have to be clicking on all cylinders. And it looked like they were in um, in, in L.A., and then, you know, just the Eagles' defense is that good. But we're going to get to see the Eagles' defense again this week. And, and what they can do against the Vikings, I think it's just, just power on power this week in, um, in Lincoln Financial. And such a testament to the, the coaching staffs on both of these squads, too, because, you know, every team has to deal with adversity throughout the year. Every team in football in particular is dealing with injuries. I mean, at this point of the year, everybody's banged up for the most part in some way, shape, or form. But what Philly has done, you know, winning this game last week, against the tough Atlanta team without Wentz and what Minnesota has been able to do, you know, coming into this year with Bradford and week one mm-hmm. plays so incredible and then able to just flip the switch and, and Keenum to fill in. And then you're starting running back gets hurt and he looks like one of the best running backs in the league through the first few weeks. And then they're able to fill in right away. It's, it's really incredible what these coaching staffs have done mm-hmm. with some of the injuries because they would have easy excuses for not being around right now. I agree. I think, you know, both, both, both starters uh, at the quarterback position started as backups, like you mentioned, and, and you're only as good as your weakest link. I, you know, I, I played for some very good coaches, and, and they always preach that. It's like next man up, but, you know, how deep are you at every position? And, and it, at the quarterback position, it's definitely the, the main position that you want to make sure you've got, you know, two or three guys that can play. I mean, you really want your backup to be very capable. Uh, I think you know, Keenum has showed that. He's had an outstanding year. Foles is, has hadn't had to play near as much, but, you know, he can he can feed into that role. And then you talk about Dalvin Cook and his injury early in the year. Latavius Murray has stepped up. He's averaging almost four yards a carry. He's, he doesn't, they don't turn the ball over. That's, that's, that's the thing that impresses me the most about the Vikings. They play great defense. Keenum protects the football. He hadn't put up gaudy numbers, but he's so – He's so stinking good at, at, at you know controlling what he needs to control, and that's not to turn the ball over. And then Latavius Murray's got zero fumbles on the year and eight touchdowns. So you're talking about a team that doesn't turn the ball over, and, and you can go deep in the playoffs and, and maybe even win a Super Bowl with that with that recipe. That's you know they're playing Raven style defense back in the you know early 2000 and late 90s, uh, back when the Ray Lewis. I mean that's how good the Vikings are on defense, but. You got some team, you know, in the AFC with the Jaguars that played similar style of defense. They're just awesome. So you got 
a lot of a lot of great players, a lot of good defenses. I think in you know these last four teams. Well, Josh, I know that you've got a meeting to get to in a couple moments here, and we're up against a commercial break. Let's quickly get to uh, your your thoughts on the conference championship games and some predictions. Let's start with the uh, you know the home Eagles hosting the Vikings. You know, both coming off of huge wins. How do you think that game plays out? You know, I uh, I did play the game. I'm, I'm headed to Vegas Friday, and uh, and I'm gonna nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna tease the Vikings. Uh, to get in three, but I, I do like the Vikings to advance. I think this is the first time that, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the Super Bowl, of course, is going to be in Minnesota that a, that a home team will actually be in the Super Bowl. I know that the home team has never won a Super Bowl, so I think that's a very cool dynamic to this season uh, in the NFL. I, I, I choose the Vikings uh, to advance. I think they're just too good. I think they're better at the quarterback position, I think, because of last week's uh, win against the Saints, they're just riding just this high, and um, you know sooner or later uh, the defense is going to get to Nick Foles and he's going to make some mistakes. So I think uh, that's going to be the difference in the game is the Vikings defense really putting pressure on Foles to make plays, and uh, he's not going to be able to make enough. And Jacksonville's a team that uh, you know, as Gino said in, at the top of the show, I've been riding all year. I uh, predicted them to be in the uh, AFC Championship game. Does their road end here? Yeah, you know, it's just so hard to go into Gillette. I've enjoyed watching the Patriots through the years as much as I ever have any any football team. And what they were able to do last week, um, 31 first downs. And, you know, Brady was not sacked. He threw the ball 53 times. I mean, you're talking about the Pats rely on coaching and personnel and play calling and the weapons and, you know, matchups and the, the, the halftime adjustments and experience, and they have the best player in the game's history. So I feel like, you know, that's a recipe for success. There's Brady 7-0 and versus Jacksonville. This is 12th AFC championship piece. We've been to seven in a row. I mean, you're talking about a guy that he wants to leave the greatest legacy ever, and we keep talking about, I keep talking about Brady all the time, and everybody does when you turn on ESPN or Fox Sports, but I mean, what he's been able to do is unbelievable. He's gotten a, a, an array of weapons. Uh, they're first in total yards, second in passing, second in points. I mean, and then their defense is starting to gel. I mean, so I, just to go up to Gillette and for Jacksonville to do this, it's, they've had an unbelievable year. I don't know about you guys, but it's going to be very, very difficult. What you guys think? But it's going to be very difficult for Bortles to go beat Tom Brady and Gillette. It just doesn't happen. Best coach, best player, you know, best home field advantage. Uh, team from Florida in the cold. Yeah, I don't see it. You know, so there you have it, folks. Josh has spoken. He gave you his teaser even. And, uh, nice. And we definitely appreciate that. I know you're up against it, Josh. But how can people uh, listen to you and follow you and give us all your plugs? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, at Josh Booty 10 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you know, I, I have I have my own radio sports talk shows in Louisiana, so it's a little difficult sometimes. You'd have to get that. But, you know, I talk a lot of SEC football, a lot of NFL football. I appreciate you guys giving me the chance to come on uh, today. And I think we're going to see the, the Patriots and the Vikings in an epic matchup in Minnesota. And, and uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of the show. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate you joining us, Josh, as always, my friend. Have a great time in Vegas. Win some big bucks. And uh, let's circle back up before the MLB season starts. And and as we get closer to the derby season, maybe we'll uh, we'll hit the track for, for a session. 
That would be awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me. I have an awesome day. Thanks. Thanks, Josh. We'll take our first commercial break and be back with more NFL Talk. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Mike and Gino talking NFL Conference Championships. Before we get to our next guest, Gino, let's talk a little bit about the uh, contest, the pool that we had for the uh, NFL Pick'em Contest. Yeah, we got, I mean, I thought we had a really good turnout for a pool because before this year, I myself, I've never done like a random playoff picks pool like this. This isn't like a, like an NCAA tournament bracket or something where you normally have a group of people that get involved that do. We just wanted to do this for fun, figure we could get some interactions with some of our guests and uh, and give out a couple prizes. You know, we can give out uh, an Amazon gift card and then we're going to give someone whoever wins the opportunity to come and host the show for a segment. They can be able to call in. To, we, they can have, you know, their segment be whatever they want and you and I will do some research and we'll talk about whatever, whatever they want to talk about. I know Dave Weaver who is actually tied for the lead right now, Ice Cold Exacta, will probably have to talk about, like, Pittsburgh or something, even though, you know, the Steelers over uh, uh, totally underachieved this year. I know my buddy Don Landis, he's a, uh, I think he's Brown's clown, or he's in there somewhere. He said that if he wins, get ready to talk 15 minutes all about the Cleveland Browns. I don't know I don't know how, uh, how big our ratings would be after that show, though, Mike. So uh, hopefully we can get somebody else to win and not, and not old Don. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, we'll keep tweeting out updates as you, we well, continue to go uh, along. You and I are deadlocked, just for FYI. We're we're deadlocked at 48 points. We're tied in the ninth and the 10th spot right now. But make sure to anyone that's listening, if you did get in the pool, remember you got to make your selections every week. So there's only a couple of two games this weekend and then one more game in a couple of weeks. So you don't want to get shut out. Make sure you get to that Yahoo Sports group and make your selections for the week. 
That sounds really good. And at this time, we will uh, bring in our next guest, a pair of teammates, actually, from the New Orleans Saints. We've got, I would say, two out of the top three, uh, three-headed monster, best special teams unit in the NFL. And uh, two out of the three are, are Will Lutz and, and Zach Wood, the third being Thomas Morstead. I think they are the best special teams kicking unit in the NFL, hands down. I think they're destined to be uh, perennial pro bowlers year in, year out. Did a phenomenal job this year for the Saints. Obviously, the Saints had a fantastic season with a heartbreaking ending. They took the lead with 25 seconds left on a 43-yard field goal by Lutz. It's game over, right? Yeah, like, game I mean, over. Th- this duo themselves uh, were, were part of that uh, scoring, uh, you know, uh, putting up the three that, that helped the team get on top. Let's bring them in and get their thoughts on uh, exactly what happened. Good afternoon, Will and Zach. How are you guys? Hey, guys. Good. How are you? Doing good. good thank you. Good. So before we get to that game, first of all, just uh, want to get your quick thoughts, uh, each of you, on uh, how fantastic the season went. Started off 0-2, a little bit of a, a, a rough start, but after that, one at 11 out of the next 14 and then the playoff game. So that's 12 out of 15 games. You guys were rolling and feeling pretty good, especially after beating Carolina. And, um, you know, overall, you know, season, it probably exceeded many people's expectations. But, you know, Will, for you, let's start with you. You know, how, how did the season go for you overall personally as well as uh, your thoughts about the team? Uh, personally, I think we took a stepping stone, you know, up from last year. Uh, I think that's the goal for most for most people. Uh, I think we're, you know, we had a, a good way to move into next year um, as a team. You know, it's super exciting. It's tough to win in this league, so eight games in a row, and you know, some of them in the fashion that we won was pretty exciting. So hopefully, uh, we can carry the momentum into the off season. Absolutely, and you guys have a bright future. I mean, the truth of the matter is, you guys can pass the ball with Breeze, obviously, future Hall of Famer. Phenomenal job running, probably the best rushing team in the NFL. A very solid and much improved defense that's very young and is only going to get better. Like I already mentioned, best special teams unit in the league, not just on the kicking side, but also on the return game as well. So very, very bright future for you guys. Now, Zach, you guys have had a few days to kind of process everything that has happened. Uh, you know, big, big letdown, obviously, from from Sunday, but... Now that that a few days have gone by, you know, has it kind of sunk in yet? And and how are you feeling? Yeah, it's sunk in a little bit. It's honestly kind of a shock, you know. It just it takes a couple of days, and probably, it'll take a while to even swallow that pill, you know, um, to lose in that fashion. But it's sinking in, and you know, everything happens for a reason. So I think everybody, you know, took took that and learned from it, and uh, I think we'll move it on to next season and use it as a chip on our shoulder. Sure. Now, have either of you guys ever been a part of a game like that? At, at any no. level, college, uh, high school, anything? Will, Zach? No, no never. Hopefully never again. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully never again, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, 25 seconds left, like Gino had mentioned, you guys make that kick. You guys go back to the sidelines. What are you guys saying how are you guys feeling? What's everybody else talking about? What's the atmosphere and the environment like on the sidelines? Will, you want to take this one? Yeah, uh, I think we were all celebrating, <laughs> shaking hands. Um, but, you know, 25 seconds on the clock in the NFL is, I mean, really any time on the clock in this league is too much. So all of us were, you know, we thought we had it in the bag, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, probably the, 
the slimmest chance of something like that to happen I've ever seen. But, you know, we were all hugging out. We thought we won. But, you know, the Vikings obviously had something else to say. Yeah, I mean, I can't blame you. I can't blame you for, for moving on to, to, to Philly. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was watching the game with friends and, and high-fiving and was uh, was already thinking about the uh, conference championship game and already thinking, you know what, I think they can take take down Philadelphia and and I think that the Saints are going to be the, the representatives in the Super Bowl and, uh, and and it'll be a Brady and Breeze matchup. And I'm sure a lot of Saints fans fantasize like that. I'm sure some of the players did as well. Uh, obviously, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's one of those games that, like you said, 25 seconds is, is too much. That came down to the final 10. But as I mentioned earlier, I think you guys have a very bright future. And um, and, and you have a, a strong group with, with leaders and veterans as, as well as, as young guys uh, as well. Uh, you know, what was the locker room like after the game? Were there some guys that are, you know, hey, guys, keep your heads up and, and that type of thing? Zach, did you kind of feel that it was more somber or uh, that there were guys that were kind of lifting you guys up? Uh, it was a, a mix of both, I would say. Um, uh, a lot of guys were in shock, just like just like me and Will were. We just kind of couldn't believe this just happened. Um, it was very quiet. Um, some guys got emotional, but uh, I think the message we took out when we broke it out was that you know everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, we we had it, and just like that, it can be gone. So we got to appreciate every little uh, time in this league that we get. So. Um, we're going to take this into next year and use it as a positive and uh, hopefully get it next year. Yeah, Zach, I think what you just mentioned is key. And there are so many things that happened. It's hard to feel like you guys lost the game versus Minnesota kind of jumped up and won the game. I mean, there were from from 10 minutes left to go in the game. You know, there's the, the, the pass from Snead that just misses. Um, there's, uh, you know, the punt block, there's the punt block, uh, the Camara TD reception to put you up, then the crazy catch from Thielen, then you guys kick a, a field goal that puts yep. you ahead, they kick the field goal, put them ahead, and they've had, you know, issues kicking and kind of, they have their demons with missed kicks and, and missed opportunities, then you guys get back, there were so many things that, that went back and forth, and the pendulum swung back and forth and back and forth, it's like, it's it's got to be a little bit you know you're sour and you're sad about what happened but the game was so incredible and you your team performed so well it it's got to be tough to say man we played so well and we lost. Yeah, it's just we came we came back from that deficit. That's what was most frustrating about it. I feel like is um, we you know we we're down seventeen zero at one point and we came back through all the adversity and everything just fighting back and forth. Uh, no momentum's going swinging both teams and. To go up with, what, 25 seconds left in the game, big field goal by Will, you know, um, it was just heartbreaking to lose it in that fashion. Absolutely. Now, something good that did come out of this is, uh, you know, I think it's it's kind of getting a little bit of attention now after the Vikings had scored and the Saints had left the field, they ended up bringing back the team to line up for that extra point. Thomas Morstead comes out, uh, one of the first guys, and he was really, really professional and shook the hands of the Vikings, you know, congratulating them on a, on a good game, job well done type thing. The Vikings fans took notice of that and have started donating in, uh, in great amounts to the uh, What You Give Will Grow charity. Uh, I know that that's been a, a charity that you guys have been a part of. So something good has come out of this, and it looks like uh, 
uh, Thomas Morstead's goal of, of 100,000 has either been been met or about to be exceeded, and he's going to go to the to, to Minnesota himself and hand deliver a check. So, uh, you know, have, what are you guys' thoughts about that? I mean, that's that's a real big positive that's come out of this game. Yeah, um, Thomas is an amazing foundation, and he's he's extremely involved in our community. Um, you know. I would have been out there if I knew that they had to kick the extra point, <laughs> but no one knew that they even had to do that. So, you know, Thomas grabbed a few guys and went out there. And, um, you know, I think that is a testament to, to who he is. Um, you know, he's, he's just such a good teammate, always, you know, puts the team first. And I think him going back out there when all of us were just shocked and didn't want to go out just shows, you know, who he is. Absolutely. That that's, I mean, that's pretty wild. Yeah, and I encourage any of, and all of our listeners to uh, look up the foundation. It's uh, it goes to kids that are battling cancer, so very very worthy cause. And so I encourage everybody. We'll tweet it out as well and uh, let people know how they can get involved with this. How how has Thomas taken both of you guys under his wing? Obviously, him being the veteran that's been in the league and a Pro Bowl or in a Super Bowl champ. Um, Will, let's start with you. How has he helped you in your development and becoming a, the kicker that you are? Um, the biggest thing is when, and Zach can attest to this too. When you're a first year guy who's never played in the, never played in the regular season game, you know he's there to kind of calm you. He can he can walk you through these situations that you've never been a part of. And um, I think that was my biggest take takeaway is going into every game. I could talk to him about what to expect, how to handle it, and you know he's been doing it for nine years. He's been in every situation from a losing season to a Super Bowl season. So um, it's always good to be able to, to go into a situation knowing what, what was going to happen. And uh, the experience of him that he has was what really would help me the most. So the mental approach. What about you, Zach? I'd, I'd have to say the same exact thing. You know, Tom's, Tom's a really, really good um, type of guy that you want to encourage you, you know, um, and especially in stressful times. I know for me, my first game, Tom was able to, you know, talk me through it and calm me down in such a stressful situation and then things where I had to perform. And um, I think he does a really good job of that. And like Will said, with all his experience, there's nothing he hasn't really seen. So when I'm seeing something for the first time, um, he's able to help me out and guide me through all of that and, again, calm me down, which is the biggest thing for me in my position is not to get too high because that's when you, you know, screw things up. So he does a good job of, calm me down and uh, make sure I focus on each snap. Zach, I got a question for you. Before Will's got a big kick, you guys know each other well. If it's like a, a big kick and you know there's a little pressure, do you say do you say something to him to like, you know, ease the tension? Do you make a joke or do you kind of leave him alone and with his own thoughts? Like, how do you treat the situation? <laughs> no, I, I run right past him. I don't say a dang thing to him. <laughs> I don't know what him and Sean talk about. But I'm, I'm not bothering him at all. I'm going to let him focus on the kick, and I'm going to do my snap. <laughs> so I don't want to screw anything up. So now, obviously, you guys are both ultra. Say, but we don't. Yeah, no, you guys are both ultra competitive. Who's the better golfer? Uh, We're both pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just want, somebody's worse on one day or the next. And uh, are you guys uh, big on video games, Madden games like that? No, unfortunately not. Him and Tom get into FIFA just about every okay. day. So they got a big competition in that. But I'll just sit oh. on the sidelines and watch that one. 
Who's getting the better of that, Will? Oh, I'm taking that one home for sure. All right, there you have it. He's the, he's, the, the, the FIFA the champion yeah. over there. He's a kicker. I mean, honestly, he's a, he's a kicker. Of course he's got to be there. Yeah. Now, if Will, if you had to snap, or Zach, if you had to kick, who would do a better job in the other's job? Now, I, Zach, Zach will tell you, I snap every day for fun. And I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I would take him in that. <laughs> Zach, are you looking over your shoulder, man? No, no. You know what? I'll, bet, I'll have to admit that he would definitely be a better snapper. I would be kicker. So I get out to practice about 20 minutes early and make it look like I'm warming up. But I'm really out there just working on my drop kicks. And it's just, it's now, who coach? It looks, it's so bad. It's so bad. But give me a year and we'll have this conversation again. I'm sure I'll be on top next time. Uh, we, we may have to get some video evidence we'll, of that. We'll get the punt, punt pass and kick is what we'll do. We'll just make it a, a, yeah, okay. a general. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, who does Coach Banta get on more between the two of you guys? Oh, oh that's easy. For sure. <laughs> me for sure. Banta was a snapper, so he likes to critique anything I do wrong. And he lets Will do his thing. He doesn't know anything about kicking. <laughs> but he'll tell me a thing or two about snapping. That's uh, good one, one more question for you guys. We, we have like about 30 seconds before a, a break. Now, after this week, you have a tough loss. Are you rooting for the Vikings or are you rooting against the Vikings? Do you have any rooting interest whatsoever? Or are you, do you, are you going to watch the game? How are you guys going to you know, take in the games this weekend? Good question. Yeah, I think uh, – you don't want to see the team you lose to lose. So I think if, you, if I had to cheer for anybody, I'd probably go with the Vikings. But I'm not cheering for anybody. It's going, to be, it's going to be tough to watch. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I'm the same way. If we're going to get beat by a team, it better be the team that wins the Super Bowl. So I'm that makes the a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Well, we really appreciate having you guys both come on. You guys are good sports. I know that it's a, it's probably a tough week in terms of interviews and commentary, and, and you probably don't even want to turn on ESPN or any sports channel to see that play over and over again, but you guys are true professionals, and I definitely appreciate it. If you guys could quick, quickly give our listeners your plugs, how can people follow you uh, aside from seeing you guys on Sunday? Start with you, Zach. Um, I'm on Twitter is uh, ZachWood6, and then uh, on Instagram is just ZachWood90. So, I mean, that's the only way. Um, that's the only Instagram or uh, Twitter. That's the only social media I'm really on. Good stuff. How about you, Will? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and it's Will underscore Lutz5. That sounds good. Well, I uh, encourage all our listeners to, to follow you guys to get up-to-the-minute information on these guys' off-season. And um, as we head into next year's NFL campaign, you guys can uh, follow what these guys are up to. Thank you both so Thanks, much. Guys. Definitely awesome. appreciate it. You guys are terrific. And uh, we're big Saints fans out here in California and look forward to a great 2018 where you guys get a little bit farther and, and get to next year's Super Bowl. All right. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, guys. It, guys. Have a good one. You too. There you have it. That was Will Lutz and Zach Wood of the New Orleans Saints. Let's take our second commercial break, and uh, we will get back with more NFL Talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Gino, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed yeah. uh, having two teammates, both from the same special teams unit, not just on the same ball club, but with being the New Orleans Saints, but fun having teammates that are friends and, and uh, they give some good insight. Yeah. And, you know, it was, as you mentioned, it, you're not, you're probably not getting a lot of people talking to them this week because a lot of people are, are talking to the Minnesota teams, the teams that won that are moving on. I thought the perspective from them, it was was awesome, you know, because everybody gets the winning perspective, but nobody really talks to the, the team that just lost a, a heartbreaking game and when what they were going through. And what, you know, you could hear in their voice, they were proud of their season. They had a really good year. They took a big step forward this year, and they have a lot of momentum heading into the next year. They lost to a very good team. A team They had to play on the road. You know, their losses this year, they only had a few of them, and they were pretty much all to, to very good teams. So, um, very bright future for the Saints, and I, I, I like the fact that they're buddies. So they're, you know, they're able to kind of they know each other. They know each other better than we know them, or that than anybody knows them. So they, you know, they know what things are like behind closed doors. And uh, it sounds like Will can do some snapping. That's yeah, what it sounds like. Sure does. I'm not sure though that he's got exactly enough weight to be able to threaten uh, Zach's job. But uh, from a blocking standpoint, right? You know, he's but... not going to be able to throw that weight around uh, <laughs> on the on the front line. But Zach's going to have to work on his kicking and his form. So that maybe we'll have some fun with them again next time uh, we have them on, and we'll see if there's been any improvement. But that game was incredible, Mike. The uh, you know Minnesota goes up seventeen nothing at the half. And, you know, they go 12 plays, 58 yards, they score a touchdown. And we mentioned punt, 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 interception, interception, missed field goal for New Orleans. That was their first six drives of the game. So it's 17 nothing second half. First drive of the second half, the Saints score. They go 12 plays, 80 yards, touchdown. Then, next drive, Minnesota throws an interception. Saints get the ball. They go right down and score. So with 13 minutes left to go in the game, it's 17-14. And it feels like the Saints are going to win this game. I mean, it feels like the momentum has just completely shifted over to New Orleans at this point. And, you know, Minnesota kicks a field goal with 10 minutes left. 
They go up 20 to 14. There are so many little things that happen. And, you know, in each of these games that just swing the momentum back and forth, the one play that you kind of really brought to my attention that was a big play was the Willie Sneed, the pass that just missed Kamara. The Willie Sneed pass was huge. But let's go back in time one week to the game against Carolina. Late in the game, Coach Payton made a decision. And that was, we are going to go for the win. They had a fourth and two, close to midfield. I think it was maybe on the Carolina side, maybe in the 42-yard line, 43-yard line, something like that. Fourth and two, late in the game, they have a choice. They could either punt it, try to pin Carolina deep into their own territory, or go for the first down. And if they get it, they're pretty much going to be able to run out the clock. Payton decides to go for it, and they missed. They didn't convert on that fourth down. But I loved the uh, cojones to make that decision and to try to, you know, there's an old saying, if you can't win, you know, make a yard or two yards in the NFL, you don't deserve to win the game. You definitely don't deserve to be a Super Bowl champion. And I think he kind of took that mentality. It didn't work out, but they still won the game. I wonder why he didn't have that exact same approach when they were, when they drove down to kick that, uh, they made that score to be able to take the lead with 25 seconds left. They had a third and one. And they made a really, really half-hearted attempt. And it wasn't to get the first down. And it wasn't to line up the ball to make it an easier kick for Will Lutz. It was just kind of a let's go through the motions kind like of run play. Like little run the clock. Yeah. Kind of and you like know what? If high. they get the first down. The game's over. Game's That's over. That's they, it. They, they milk the clock all the way down to six seconds or seven seconds in case there's an errant snap or whatever. And they kick it and leave either one second or zero left for the Vikings. To me, that was the decision that cost the game. And so we could look at poor execution on the Willie Sneed or many different plays. You, you, you chronicled all of the plays starting from the second quarter on, and Breeze took a big sack that took them out of field goal range. I mean, there's probably six or seven plays where if any one, you don't even need two or three, if any yep. one goes the other way, favor, they win. win. Yeah. yeah, and not even yeah, just the other way. Maybe not exactly in the Saints' favor, or just the ball bounces the other. And that happened a ton in the. You know, we 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 don't really have to talk a, a lot about the Pats Titans game. That was what many people thought. I will say that the Pats were a little sloppy when I went and rewatched the game last night. Um, you know, they were the Titans were up seven zero at the end of the first quarter. It was seven seven with thirteen minutes left in the second, and then. The Pats went on their run. There was a big penalty, uh, an OPI penalty that hurt Tennessee, and then the Pats scored a few times in a row. But they were a little sloppy. I think they're going to have to clean things up a little bit this weekend if they want to beat Jacksonville. And, you know, you you get the credit for picking Jacksonville. That was an awesome selection. That game was was back and forth, but the Jags get, they get the ball to start the game. They go right down the Steelers' throat. And on the first drive— Bortles completes passes for 21, 13, and 19 yards on the first drive. Boom. They get up 7 nothing, And uh, Pittsburgh gets the ball. And then Miles Jack makes a great play for an interception. Five minutes left to go in the first quarter. The next play, 18-yard touchdown run. Before you blink an eye, the Jags are up 14 nothing on the Steelers. And then, you know, Pittsburgh starts to kind of battle back a little bit. There was a, there were just a couple big plays of fourth and one that Pittsburgh didn't get. The Jags get a big stop. And then before you know it, they're 21, nothing already. So um, I think new England, they're going to have to come out and start the game much better than they did against the Titans because the Jaguars, they were ready to rock. And Fournette was running as well as we've seen Fournette run ever, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and you know, the final score of 45 to 42 is a little bit misleading because I don't think that game was nearly as close as no, the final score. They scored a suggest. play on the final play of the game. They scored a touchdown on the final play of the game. Pittsburgh did. It was never really, you know, it got it got to 21-7 and it was tight for a second. Um and it was 28 but and, you know, you and I talked about it. Every time it felt like the Pittsburgh was going to come back, Jacksonville just made a huge play. Antonio Brown scored a touchdown to make it 21-7. The Jags have to punt back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's driving with 220 left in the half. And then Big Ben gets sacked, fumble, 50-yard touchdown. Instead of 21-14, now all of a sudden it's 28-7. You know, little things like that were what happened. And we saw Bortles. He comes up with a big third and eight in the running for a first down in the third quarter to start the second half. Uh, the game stayed 28-21 for a while. Pittsburgh had their opportunities, but, you know, a deep pass to Cole. Fournette pounds it in, 35-21 Jags. They just could never, they could never tie the game up. They were always chasing, and Jacksonville, they played very good football. They did everything they needed to do to win that game. They sure did. And, you know, if it was on a neutral field in good weather, I might be a little bit more inclined to continue riding the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I just don't see it this weekend like we were talking to Josh about. I would take the points, the nine points. I would definitely take that. I don't know if they're good enough to win that game straight up, but I do think two scores, it it could be a low-scoring game early on, and I think it's going to be a little more difficult to score. I think it's going to be more like Jacksonville's first playoff game than, than this game. Um, which was just a crazy 45-42. And how about Calais Campbell predicting the score? Did you see that? Yeah, that's unbelievable. The week before, he said, it doesn't matter if we win games 3 nothing or 45-42. And then the next week, they win 45-42. And the only reason why it was 42 was because the Steelers scored on the last play of the game. That's insane. you got to bring him to the insane. track with us, right? I, I, no kidding, huh? I, I, I'll go ahead and, and, uh, and give you some finals, okay? Patriots, 31 Jacksonville 13, Philadelphia 17, Minnesota 16. Okay. I'm going to go the uh, the opposite in the Minnesota game. I like the Vikings. I think they're going to win. Uh, I think it's going to be Vikings-Pats. I'm going to go Vikings 21, Eagles 17, and I'm going to go uh, Patriots, Patriots 27, Jaguars 20. Mm, okay. Okay, well, that's uh, that's now on record for, on record for history to look back at and uh, and see who gets it closer. Um, I'm excited. It should be a, a fantastic weekend. Before we wrap things up, Gino, why don't you tell the listeners, you know, how they can uh, follow us and uh, continue to support the show? I'm really, really pleased with how the numbers have shaken up. We don't oh, really talk about it very much uh, on the air, but let's just say the on demands. The clicks are in the thousands upon thousands. So we thank you very, very much for being uh, loyal listeners or new listeners. And we welcome everybody on board. Uh, You know, we have a lot of fun doing this, but we want to provide good entertainment and, you know, a different type of conversation than you may hear on some of the mainstream uh, avenues. Yeah, the best way to help us out is to head to iTunes and to leave a, a five-star rating and a review for us. And and if there's anything that you like or you don't like, we, we'd always want to hear from you uh, on social media. Feel free to tweet us uh, on Facebook. You can send us a message. If there are any guests that you like that you think would be good guests for us to have on as interviews, uh, we would love to hear from you. And you know, like always, we're going to open the phone lines and we want you to call in. We want to get the show as interactive as possible, so we're going to continue to do all sorts of different content like we've done with the uh, the football contest. We're planning on doing 
a big March Madness NCAA bracket. And, and maybe even was, a Super Bowl one too, right? If oh, we yeah, can yeah. put We're something together something. last minute. Yeah, we yep. still have a couple of weeks left. So we'll, we'll work on something so we have to, uh, to roll out to you next week. And more than anything, the thing I'm the most excited about, Mike, is I actually convinced you to let us talk some wrestling next week. We're going to talk <laughs> some Royal Rumble, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm as excited as you are about that, but I'll get you ready. Uh, I'll get you ready. We're gonna have okay. to watch some film all week long. We'll get you in the zone. You'll be a Royal Rumble Royal Rumble expert by next week. So looking forward to it. We're gonna have a, a guest on that uh, covers wrestling for a living, and um, he'll be able to talk to us a little bit about what the Royal Rumble is and who are some of the heavy favorites. Who's gonna be likely to win this year's Royal Rumble? What WWE does is they always put the Royal Rumble in between. The uh, this, the weeks of the the conference championships and the Super Bowl, so uh, you have something to watch uh, next Sunday. So I'm already that, that ready for good. that. Yeah, all kidding aside, I, I am looking forward to that. That should be really interesting. And if you notice, ESPN, some of the mainstream outlets are giving a lot more coverage to the WWE. So it's definitely something that uh, you know the general public is uh, behind. And so we'll look forward to that. And we've got a couple other guests that are going to be on tap as well. We'll let you guys know on Twitter. So with that said, thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we will look forward to getting together with you guys next week and fielding your calls, emails, tweets, etc. Have a great sports weekend. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.